This is Reverend Charles Fenson. I'm the interim pastor at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa, California. This is the morning worship service. Our address is 2850 Fairview Road, Costa Mesa, California, 92626. Our website is pccov.org, and our Facebook page is pccov. And our email is info at pccov.org. We welcome you to this service. Our vision statement is that the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant is a Christ-centered community set free by grace and placed in our neighborhoods to serve and to invite all people into a wondrous relationship with God. God bless you as you worship with us.
morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. Welcome to the Church of the Covenant. Um, as you can see, I'm not Charles. Uh, he is, he's still up in Oregon with his brother. And I talked to him this morning, and his brother's condition continues to deteriorate. And he considers this very sacred time. And so he is staying until sometime during the week. He said he'll be here next Sunday, no matter what. But he said his brother is getting a lot of pain medication, so he's comfortable. And they're just having a very tender time together. And he wanted everyone to know how much he appreciates all the prayers and just the love that he's receiving at this really, really difficult time. So, any visitors here today? Rob, who are you pointing at? Okay, do you want to stand up and introduce her? Nice. Welcome, Anne. You're here for Mary's special day. Anybody else? Yes, I was going to be introducing him. Um, <laughs> Cornell is not... Yes. So, <laughs> welcome, Bill. And uh, as he said, Cornell is not here today, so he is leading the choir, but his wife is also in the choir today. So welcome to both of them. And I talked to Sandy Madsen yesterday, and she just wanted me to let everybody know what a wonderful gift the church family is especially when you're going through challenging times. And as she buried her brother this week, she knew that she had the church surrounding her and people that were at the service affirmed that. So she wanted every, everyone to know how much she appreciates the love of the church family. Others are recovering, Nora, Lee Applegate are recovering very well from their surgery this week, so we're very happy to have those reports. Now, you know you have the little attendance book on your pew, so I want to make sure that you sign it so we know that you're here. And don't forget, after worship today is the potluck. And you know, church people's potlucks are the best in the world. So if you didn't know or didn't bring a dish, don't let that stop you. Just come and join, eat and enjoy. Debbie said there's lots of food. So just come and enjoy. I also wanted to give you a couple weeks heads up. Two weeks from today is Easter, which is like, whoa, how did that happen? <laughs> and, you know, we kind of have the tradition of our flower cross and so everyone is encouraged to bring flowers 
on Easter Sunday. One or two or three blooms from your garden or wherever, and they'll be put on the cross. But the symbolism is the new life that Easter gives us. And so we put these beautiful new spring blossoms on our cross. So start looking in your gardens and all and see what you'll be able to bring two weeks from today. Any other announcements that I have not included? Yes, Rob. Okay. All right, thank you. Yes. Well, Rob, stand up and tell her. We do a ministry with the children where they they assemble party supplies to throw birthday parties for for uh, underprivileged privileged children. So they each have a theme, and I, I can show you after after service. They each have a theme for a boy or a girl, and so you can bring uh, all the supplies for one party. You can bring just paper plates. You just kind of kind of uh, fill in the blanks now that we you know we got some assembled and we're missing some things. So talk to me after, and I'll let you know. Okay, and now if you would take uh, just a few minutes to greet one another, we'll begin our worship. Good morning. What a joyful sound to be greeting everyone in such beautiful fellowship. As you take your seats, If you will please rise for our call to worship this morning. (laughs) I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Return to the Lord your God, for God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Please pray with me. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord, amen.
seated. I'd like to call up the kids, the youth, the young of heart, anyone who wants to come up. <clears throat> but because we have a table in our way, if you could sit way up high so everyone can see you, that would be great. Okay, so super important question. Who has a pet at home? Almost everyone. Okay, let's go down. Dog, cat, tell me their name. Dog. Or turtle or whatever. Dog. I have a dog. Um, he is a chihuahua and his name is Peanut. Peanut, very cool. I have a cat named Andromeda. Andromeda, great. <laughs> Zoe. Okay, I'm guessing you guys live together. Yeah. And no pets for you? Okay. Uh, three dogs, two cats, and a lizard. Okay, <laughs> we, uh, uh, we, we need names. Arlo, okay. <laughs> and what about you? Peanut. Oh, that's true. <laughs> like you guys want to. Oh, okay. I do. I'm going to talk about him in just a minute. So when my son was all grown up and went away to college, I got my first dog. I did not have dogs growing up because I was a cat person. They're dog people and cat people. Not, none of you, well, except for, except for you, Rob, said that you had dogs and cats together. It seems that you're either a dog person or a cat person. So I was a cat person, or so I thought. And um, so my very first dog, her name was Spice, and she was actually born and raised and being trained to be a service animal and wear a jacket like this. Do you guys know what a service animal is? Okay, tell me. Who said yes? Yeah, tell, tell me what a service animal is. Yeah, and when they're going places that they're not allowed, what are they doing? Yeah, helping people. They are. <laughs> Absolutely, but you know why they act all serious? Because they're working. They're working dogs. So Spice was being raised to be a working dog. And then when she was a year old, they found out the poor thing, she had bad hips. And what happens with service dogs is if you have any illness whatsoever, you can't be a service dog. Well, why? Because service dogs are working dogs, right? And so I got Spice and she became a therapy dog. Does anybody know what a therapy dog is? Okay, what's a therapy dog? Yeah, you know, that's a great point because there's two kinds of therapy dogs. They're the therapy dogs that belong to you because you need the emotional support and they're wonderful companions. And Spice was trained to be a therapy dog and we would go to children's hospital. Have any of you been to children's hospital? Oh, that's good, good. They're a wonderful place, but you don't want to go there. Anyway, and Spice and I would go and visit the kids. This is the card we would give to them. 
And um, if the kids wanted it, they would invite Spice to come up in bed with them and just love on them and give them. Here, do you want a card? There we go. I have more. Uh, and just love on them. Um, so here's a tough question. Has anybody ever had to say goodbye to a pet that you loved? Yeah. Yeah, you too. It's really hard, isn't it? Do you still keep like the love that they gave you in your heart? Yeah. And maybe you're a better person because you loved and took care of your pet. So last Sunday, the reason I wasn't here is Spice got very sick, and she died. And I will always love her in my heart. And the, the kids at Children's Hospital wrote to me and told me how much she had helped them. And um, our pets matter, and they love us, and we love them back. Shall we pray? Father, you are a giver of good gifts, and we thank you for our pets. We thank you for the love that they give and the love that we give them back. Lord, let our relationship with our animals glorify you by showing your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You may go off to your programs and have fun. Thank you. And now we have the very special time where we in, re, welcome new members to our congregation. So could I have, uh, where's my list? <laughs> um, Sandy? No, I'm sorry, I don't want Sandy. <laughs> Good. Those people, come forward. <laughs> Jane Bates, Mary De Silva, and Linda Suggs, would you please come forward? Just come on over here, I guess, by me. And what I would like to do first is to have you face the congregation, but just uh, like a... 10-second interview of Give Us Your Name, and what brought you here to this church? My name's Mary De Silva. I used to live in Hemet for 13 years, and I basically lost everything, so now I'm living here in Orange County, and I was going to a Catholic church with a little bit with family, and then I found this church, and here I intend to stay. All right. <laughs> My name is Linda Suga. Um, my origin is from Japan. But, and my parents are ministers, so, and my mother was a missionary. Oh. So I grew up in a Christian life all my life. But after I was going to uh, change it to Calvary Chapel, and Chuck Smith died, and after that I was looking for all over church okay. <laughs> because my parents passed away. And I needed to go to church. And I finally back to Presbyterian again. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Jane. 
My name is Jane Bates, and uh, I have been looking for a church for a couple years, and um, basically one morning I was reading uh, some of my uh, scripture readings, and it happened, to announce, it happened to say that Eugene Peterson died, and he wrote the message, which is my favorite Bible translation. And um, I read his obituary and found out that he was Presbyterian. I thought, hmm, there's a Presbyterian church right down, <laughs> not far from here. And I had been looking, so I thought, I, I, he's brilliant. And uh, he's really got his act together. I really think Presbyterians might have something to offer. <laughs> and so anyway, I explored, and the very first day was, it was like it, Everything in the service was like an answer to prayer, and I felt that God was leading me here. Okay. On behalf, on behalf of the session, I present Jane, Mary, and Linda, who have been received into the membership of this congregation by reaffirmation of faith. Thank you. So these ladies have all been examined by the session, and they have been approved for membership. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and here's your, here's your answers. <laughs> No, you have one more, but hear this scripture. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you might proclaim the mighty acts of the one who called you out of darkness into God's marvelous light. So if you'll each take one of those. So these questions are called the renunciations. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word, and showing his love. Okay. You have publicly professed your faith. Will you be a faithful member of this congregation, share in its worship and ministry through your prayers and your gifts, your study and your service, and soul fulfill your calling to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? All right, um, let us pray and let's put up the hand of blessing upon these new members. Holy God, we praise you for calling us to be a servant people and for gathering us into the body of Christ. We thank you for choosing to add to our number brothers and sisters in faith. Together, may we live in your spirit and so love one another that we may have the mind of Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom we give honor and glory now and forever. 
Amen. And we welcome you to membership within this congregation. We look forward to having you serve with us, worship with us, and enjoy fellowship with us. Thank you. God bless you. And go in peace. Welcome.
Hear the confession of our need for grace. The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God with confidence. In faith and in penitence, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness, in your great compassion, and cleanse us from our sin. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence or take <clears throat> Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirits. Hear the great news. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. 
by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me oh how he loves us so oh how he loves us how he loves us so
much, band. Thank you, choir. We have such an amazing uh, music ministry here. We are blessed by you every week. Many years ago, I was going through a really tough time, and a close girlfriend of mine sent me this poem. Sorry. There's no poem? (laughs) Well, okay. Thank you for sticking with me. There we go. We'll, we'll wait for the scripture. Okay, so I have copies of this if you wanted, but I thought it would be on screen. My fault, not yours. <laughs> As children bring their broken toys for us to mend, I, broke my, I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But then instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ideas of my own. (laughs) At last, I snatched them back and cried, how can you be so slow? My child, God said, I want to help, but first you must let go. Letting go is one of the most powerful choices we can make, and yet one of the most challenging Today, we are going to look at a very familiar parable of Jesus, but from a distinctly different point of view, the parable of the prodigal son. Will you please pray with me? Holy and merciful God, we come before you this morning in true reverence of who you are, our Lord, our Creator, our God. Father, give us fresh insight as we read this well-known parable. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear from you. Transform the human words from my mouth to be your word for us today. We pray this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So now we start with our very familiar parable. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to a census, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. 
He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Most of us know the famous quote by Richard Bach, the author. If you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it's yours. If it doesn't, it never was. Have you ever lost something of great value to you? What's our first instinct? We go looking for it, right? We go looking for it. And if we can't find it, what's our second instinct? We pray, where is it, Lord, help me? In Luke chapter 15, preceding the prodigal son parable, there are two other parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, also very familiar parables. But one distinct difference between the lost sheep and the lost coin versus the prodigal son is both the shepherd and the woman immediately go looking for the lost sheep and coin. But in this instance, in the instance of the prodigal son, the father does not leave home. He does not go looking for his son to bring him back. Whoops, what did I do with this? All right. I obviously don't have the slides in order I wanted. There is an entire story in between verse 12 when the prodigal asks for his inheritance and verse 13 when the father gives it. Had the father already been having issues with his son and therefore maybe felt some relief when he left? Did the father know that when he gave his son his portion that he would leave immediately? Or did he think maybe he would stay and make his homestead nearby? Was the father angry at being asked for his inheritance early when he was still very much alive? 
Was the son, in fact, saying to his father, I wish you were dead? These are all great questions. And Jesus is silent on the backstory. What we do know is that against all cultural and religious norms, the father grants his son's wish and gives him the inheritance early. What we do know is that the father let his son go and did not follow him to bring him back. What we do know is that the father waited and watched for his son to return and then ran to him, not walked, but picked up his tunic and ran to him while his son was still a long way off. If the father kept watch for his son day in and day out, he must have trusted that his son would eventually come home. If we start at the beginning, we see that this parable, this story, could not have been possible if the father had first not let go. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So we divided the property between them. Gap. Not long after that, the son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. How enormously difficult that must have been. Can we imagine what it would feel like to let our child go, to not know where they were going, to not know if they would be okay, to not know if we would ever see them again? As in the poem I shared, God stands ready to help us if we are willing to let go and allow him to work in our lives. Years ago, I was at an adult Christian retreat, and I attempted the retreat's high ropes course. It was a challenge. Um, First, I had to get all tucked in and geared up, much like if you're rock climbing, Um, And then I had to go up this ladder to this perch that I kid you not was fit at best for a bird, 15, 25 feet in the air. And there was a tightrope wire and there was a tightrope wire on the top. And so I had the handholds and I could walk against or along the tightrope. Thing is, is the closer I got to the center the farther and farther apart the handholds got. Each, um, if the participant, in this case me, was unwilling to let go of the handhold in the back, you could not reach the handhold in the front. And if you were unwilling, to move forward, then you eventually ended up on the ground. I think that was their metaphor, that we have to let go in order to go forward. Let go and let God. We've all heard that, right? What does it mean? Does it mean to turn our troubles over to God and ask him to handle it? Or maybe a deeper meaning, to release our desired outcome of a situation and allow God to manifest his will. 
My child, I want to help. But first, you must let go. What prevents us from letting go in situations like the father's? Control. The father could have said no to his son's insane request for his inheritance. The father could have given him his portion with strings attached. The father could have prevented his son from going. And in any of those situations, the father would have maintained control. But that is not what is modeled for us in this parable. This parable has so many teachings and so many layers. And perhaps it's because Jesus knew in this case how difficult it is for us to give up control or at the very least, our idea of control. Most of us want our lives to be predictable, believing that control will give us peace. But how many times, as a result of trying to control or manipulate a situation, did we actually make things worse? Where is the peace in that? Just imagine that the father had said no. Just imagine that the father had forced his son to stay home. Do you think that there would have been strife or harmony, conflict or peace? The results likely could have torn that family asunder if the father had tried to maintain control over his younger son. So how do we let go? We all face difficulties in this lifetime. God counsels us in his word. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. So that in me, you may have peace. John 16, 33. When the rains come and the rivers rise and we find ourselves tempted to deal with a situation in our own might, what can we do to have peace? First, remember who we are in Christ. Particularly in this season of Lent, we remember who Christ is and what Christ sacrificed for us. He gave his life for us so that we could live free, unencumbered by the shackles of this earth. And yet we put on those very shackles when we want to maintain control. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Second, we can take out our Bible and see what God has to say about what we are going through. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10 Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6. The Bible is God's gift to us, his living and breathing word, meaningful to us today. Allow God to speak to us, teach us, 
and yes, comfort us by spending time in his word. Third, pray, seek God's will, and surrender our will to his. This one takes great intentionality because our first inclination is to do something, not to wait patiently for God. I cried out to God, how can you be so slow? I want to help, God said, but first you must let go. You may try writing a letter about your situation or issue and then burn it as a sign of letting go. One of my favorites is I imagine a box and whatever it is that's burdening me that I can't let go of, I just pour it and put it into this box. And when every little bit of it has been collected, I close the box and in my mind's eye, I wrap it. I pick the most glorious wrapping paper. I pick the shape of the bow. And then when I'm ready, I take that present and hand it off to Jesus. True. Sometimes I take it back, as I'm sure each of you do. But when I realize that, I consciously hand it back to God. Surrendering our wishes and hopes, our fears and our worries to God, seeking his will does not come naturally and it takes great intentionality. Fourth, praise. For no other reason than God is God. Praise him because he chose you to be his own before the formation of the earth. Praise him because he is creator and we are his creation. Praise him because Jesus promises us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's an ancient saying that asks the question, how heavy is carrying a rock? We think about maybe how much it weighs, but that's not what it's asking. How heavy is it to carry a rock? And it doesn't matter how much it weighs, because there are two truths. The first is, the longer we hold that rock, the heavier it will be become. And the second is, that if we put the rock down and stop carrying it, it's not heavy at all. It's not heavy once we let go of it. Letting go really boils down to trust. Do we trust the one who created us, knitted us in our mother's wombs, knows every hair on our head, died for us at Calvary? At any given moment, we are given a choice to let go of the past and move toward the future. Do we believe Colossians 1.17 when Paul describes God this way? He is before all things and in all things Hold together. If we really believe that God is in control, do we need to hold on as tightly as we're trying? Or maybe, possibly, might we be willing to let go of the hand hold behind us to reach for the hand hold in front of us? 
If we interpret the story of the prodigal son in the context of Lent, we see that one layer of this story is about death and resurrection. At the end of the parable, the father says, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. And the same holds true for letting go. We must die to that which we want to control for the experience of the joy of the resurrection in surrendering to God's will. Our Father in heaven will not force us to surrender. That is a choice each of us need to make in each situation in which we are tempted to control. His love for us is a love great enough to let us go. Please pray with me. Lord God, your love for each one of us is indeed a great love, one in which you will let us go so we can find our way back home. Father, write these lessons on our heart today. Remind us of who we are in you. Remind us to rely on your word when our situation is tempting us to control. Help us to pray when we don't have the words and gently surrender to your will. And always, always let our praise for you flow from our very being. Keep us alert during this season of Lent and teach us to let go. In the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. us freely you have received freely give and so now we have that opportunity to give freely through our tithes and offerings
You can, you can stay standing as we do our hymn of preparation. said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The table is set. Jesus invites you to come. Here, you don't have to be Presbyterian. You don't have to be a member of this church. You just have to have given your heart to Jesus Christ and put your trust in him to come to Christ's table. Pray with me. Almighty and merciful God, from whom comes all that is good, we praise you for your mercies for your goodness that has created us, your grace that has sustained us, your discipline that has corrected us, your patience that has borne, us, borne with us, and your love that has redeemed us. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of creation. May the bread we break and the cup we bless be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. 
sharing his cup of suffering, may we remember all who suffer. Accepted in his love, may we embrace all whom the world rejects. Rejoicing in Christ's forgiveness, may we forgive all who sin against us. Let the grace of this holy communion make us one in body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in his name. Lead us, O God, by the power of your spirit to live as the Lord requires, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you, our God. Help us, O God, to be obedient to your call, to love all your children and to live in peace with your whole creation. Give us strength to serve you faithfully until the promised day of resurrection, when with all the redeemed of all ages, we will feast with you at your table in glory. Through Christ, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father, with the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord gathered with his followers and he took bread and after giving thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Following in Jesus' footsteps, we say, take, eat, and remember this is my body, broken for you.
in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Shed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus said, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup will never be hungry or thirsty again. Jesus invites us to share. And once you receive your cup, hold it so that we can all join together in community when we drink.
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who find refuge in God. Please pray with me. Loving God, you graciously feed those who partake in your holy mystery with the bread of life and the cup of eternal salvation. May we who have received this sacrament be strengthened in your service. May we who have sung your praises tell of your glory and truth. May we who have witnessed the greatness of your love see you face to face one day in your kingdom. For you have made us your own people by the death and resurrection of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the life-giving power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. And now would you please rise as we sing our prayer, our hymn of commitment. Oh. 
This is Pastor Charles Fenson again, and we invite you at any point to come and worship with us here at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa. 
We trust that God has been honored by this worship service and that you have been blessed. God be with you.